Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world, one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. Hey everyone, welcome back to Expansion Cast. Today on the show we have Stephanie Vazanos. Stephanie is a body worker, a tantrika, and a very interesting person to talk to. So, Stephanie, welcome to Expansion Cast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, feeling. I'm feeling the super moon, this pink, the spring flower moon that's coming up. I was reminded of it yesterday, and I was like, oh, yep. I'm feeling all that stuff. So, yeah, I guess I'm just right in sync with the celestial bodies, <laughs> influenced by this by the moon. I'm excited about this topic today. We are going to be talking about energy, how it comes, how it invites us, uh, how we interact with it and how we play with it and a big part of that is when we are in positions of power whether we're gurus teachers etc etc how we move and play with that energy and how we move from a place when we're single like how we move through that energy while we're single beings looking for a relationship and yeah so welcome, Stephanie, to that wonderful topic. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here talking about one of my favorite topics, energy and attraction and sexuality. <laughs> and yeah. Thanks so for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So I find it interesting that uh, like in a place of, of coaching, and most of the coaching I do is with women, when I first started out, I had a difficult time because I was dating, identifying whether this person was coming into my life for coaching or this person was coming into my life for maybe lessons. Maybe this person was coming into my life for a partnership. It was really difficult to ascertain the truth of that meeting. And I'm pretty good at it now. But having said that, um, I believe I still have uh, females that come into my life that I know are here because I'm a coach. They might perceive it the opposite way, and they still want to pursue a relationship, but then think I'm disempowering them because I'm in coaching mode. And... It's a, sometimes I think that's a difficult uh, space to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? that does sound very difficult. If they're unclear about how or why they're attracted to you, 
<laughs> so you must work with helping women become clear on what they're feeling, mm -hmm. what they need. Well, typically I try to help them see beyond their illusions. So, right. and that can be triggering. So how's it working for you? Well, um, yeah, well, I mean, as a professional, as a professional holistic health practitioner and medical intuitive and tantra instructor, I just assume everybody who comes into my life through, you know, wanting to work with me is like, I just put them in a professional box pretty much right away. And I use, you know, my skills as a healer and, um, you know, sex and relationship coaching to, yeah. If someone comes to me <laughs> professionally, then they just automatically go in that box. So I don't necessarily have an issue with it, mm -hmm. but things come up while I'm working with that person. Attractions come up. Um, and then, yeah, that's always interesting to deal with too. Yeah, so you don't find that people come to you in other ways that they may think they're approaching you for a relationship, but in truth, um, what they're actually arriving for is your assistance or your coaching. Um, yeah, that that also happens <laughs> <laughs> when I talk to people um, that I'm just meeting for the first time and having conversation with them, just open honest conversation. First, I guess like I'm, I'm able to go to a, a depth of openness, transparency and honesty with people um, maybe more quickly. And so I end up learning a lot about people in the first little while they'd end up sharing things with me that they may not share with everybody that they meet first off and then things come to the surface like oh it's like oh you've got this piece I've got this piece <laughs> oh, okay now I see how these pieces can come together I've got information that you need so yeah sometimes that does end up happening just with you know random people that I meet mm -hmm. it's always interesting right because you can only ever really just be in the moment with a person and have the conversation that you're having and see where it goes and um, mm -hmm. allow, you know, allow the moment to dictate uh, where you're going in your interaction, mm -hmm. especially if you meet casually, if you're meeting at a farmer's market or, you know, at a party or at a gathering or something like that. Yeah. Uh, what about on a date app? Have you ever um, been on a date with somebody who then became a client? Actually, I, um, I did go on a date with somebody uh, that I met online and uh, they drove all the way to Salmon Arm from I think Kelowna and we went out to a pub and we had dinner and we chatted and, um, and then I 
kind of quickly identified a few things that that person could benefit from. And so I was like, uh, when we finished dinner, I was like, hey, come outside and I'm just going to do this little thing with you. It was like a Qigong um, grounding exercise and just something that I knew was really going to help this person. (laughs) I just did some on the spot, you know, energy work with them and taught them things. So yeah, that happens. That happens spontaneously. How was it received? Um, yeah, very graciously. And, and he was, um, I think he was really appreciative that I saw that and that he needed that. And, um, I think maybe there was an understanding, but that's really all it was about because we didn't have another date after that. (laughs) (laughs) But we were able to exchange something, you know, as two human beings, we were able to, you know, just have an exchange. And I like to think that every exchange that I have with someone is adding value to their life, you know, no matter what it is what it is about or what it is for so right. i was satisfied with that beautiful tell me about stephanie tell you about me well um professionally i call myself a holistic health practitioner and a certified medical intuitive but I've also been using uh, a new description word, and that is uh, shamanic tantrika. Shamanic tantrika. What? A shamanic tantrika. That's intriguing. Yes. That's very yeah. intriguing. Yeah. What? Is, tell me more about that. What does that mean? Well, shamanism and shamanic healing is something that I've been trained in and one of the methods that I use for healing but it sort of symbolizes this very sort of earthy healing path that I've been on the Taoist Tantra comes from the Taoist shamans so those are the ancient Taoist uh, shamans who um, developed their healing arts through um observing nature and paying attention to nature and in being in tune with energy of nature and then applying that also to their health, mind, body, and spiritual health. So that is a lineage that I'm very deeply connected to as well as um, the path of shamanic uh, healing and journeying, which um, uses uh journeying and connecting with power animals and working with energy in shamanic ways. But also, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, um, right now I'm, I'm promoting a a program that I'm starting for women called a 21 day wild woman activation challenge. So a lot of the stuff that I do with women uh, revolves around helping them to um, understand their feminine powers and feminine powers and, and feminine embodiment is sort of like, it's more down low in the body. It's all the aspects of us that is really connected and grounded to the earth. So there's this really 
earthy nature um, embodied sort of aspect of what I'm educating people about and helping them to connect to, like their instincts and their feelings and their sexuality and all these, um, their intuition, their emotions, and helping them be present with those kinds of things uh, and using those kinds of things to improve their health and their well-being and their relationships. So yeah, it's earthy. It's like some people have this tantric sort of like, oh, so sexy and all about pleasure. And, you know, it's like this ultra sexy sheen and veneer to it. Um, whereas I have this more like nature connection, earthy in the body kind of approach, grounded approach. So yeah, just learning more about what my style is. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, so how did you become a uh, shamanistic practitioner? Um, I believe that that's just kind of part of who I am, but how I was officially called to do training in that area um, was I with Qigong, I was just oh my God, I can feel the energy. And then I was just completely sucked in. And other uh, shamanic teachers that I studied with, I was actually called to circle um, by a friend in Vancouver. And she was gathering a group for a, for a teacher to come to teach. Um, he, his name is Barnaby Rue, and, and they do Shaman Dome at Burning Man. So it's the biggest shamanic camp um, at Burning Man, and she was inviting him from New York City. He's a professor at NYU. And I guess she was just thinking about all the people who would be good to have in this course. And we ended up being together for two years, and I was one of the people that she called to the course. So she kind of like handpicked the people in the course and invited them. And I happened to be one of those people, so I feel you know, pretty fortunate to have gone on that journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you have like x-ray vision now? <laughs> well, the thing is like that was always a reality for me, you know, like I, I, you know, as a medical intuitive and I, I'm so sensing and feeling and intuitive and empathic that I just, and I see things quite easily. I have visions quite easily. You know, I've had people in my past ask me if I did a lot of acid but no, I'm just, I'm just naturally that way. And, you know, I don't need to do ayahuasca. I just, I'm just naturally that way. So naturally I'm going to seek out the things that, you know, help me to use my abilities. I, you know, and I didn't pray for it. I remember once when I was in Ontario visiting the, um, um, petroglyph provincial park I you know there's two places in Ontario in Canada where the native people went for their vision class one is petroglyph provincial park area in, in eastern Canada and in, in near Peterborough Ontario and one is out here in the Stein Valley so these were two hot spots for the natives to go to for their vision quests and I've been to both places and when I went to the 
the one in Ontario, I just like something went off inside of me and it was like, bring tobacco, bring cedar, bring an offering, make a prayer. And I was just like, I just knew that's what I needed to do, even though I'm not a native person. And when I got there, I made my prayers and I made my offerings and everything that I prayed for happened. And one of the prayers was I wanted to help women around their sexuality another uh, and with sexual trauma and um, another one was I wanted to help people get their soul back into their body because I witnessed driving down East Hastings in Vancouver how people these people were walking around but there's like they were kind of like ghosts in the shell like their soul wasn't fully in their body they're like I could I could see that I could feel it inside of them and so the other prayer was I wanted to help people bring their soul back into their body. And I didn't even know that there was a way to do that. But then I learned about soul retrieval. So that was one of the healing methods used so, in our shamanic group. So um, what happens when, if you go to East Hastings and you help people put their soul back in their body, what happens to them? And have you done it? Well, yeah, soul retrieval is, is, was one of the first ways that I really started working with people who have trauma. Mm -hmm. So trauma has this effect of kind of like um, knocking us out from underneath our feet or just, you know, like disturbing our root and our connection to the, to the earth, to our body. And then, you know, all the, the host of issues that come with trauma. So, you know, with trauma, like people can become disembodied or, or um, dissociate. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, helping people come back into their body. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of issues on East Hastings. You know, you have people have severe trauma, and then there's also the addictions, and and uh, so um, I have been working a lot with people who have trauma. Not so much in the uh, substance addiction realm, um, but I have been helping people with things like sexual addictions, like. Uh, addictions to pornography, addiction, even child pornography. I've worked with people who have trauma that led them to child pornography. When you hear their story, you understand, you can kind of understand how they got there, you know? Yeah, so do you have any addictions? Do I have any addictions? <laughs> hmm. I'm kind of addicted to exercise. <laughs> um unhealthy addictions i'm definitely i don't know if it's an addiction but i i'm i definitely like to be connected um in what like in addiction. what way that, that's uh, well i live alone with my cat so um if i didn't have any connection with people during this time, I would have gone crazy. So I don't know if that's an addiction or if that's just a human need, but definitely I need connection with people and friends and 
Yeah, I wouldn't say I have a sexual addiction. No. <laughs> Maybe a slight coffee addiction right now. <laughs> I'm addicted to coffee. I'm okay with it. I'm really enjoying coffee right now. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have something to enjoy. What else are you enjoying right now? Um, I'm really enjoying the springtime and being outside and working in my garden. I'm starting to learn how to fish. Oh my God, I'm learning how to fish. At 44. I, I have a lover, so I'm enjoying sex and intimacy and closeness. You got it all. Uh, I feel pretty lucky right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what else is going, like, do you have any, like, weird, strange experiences? Because you said that you don't have to do acid or anything like that <laughs> to have, like, some weird experiences. You know, I've said that myself, too. Um, I mean, you can kind of tell by some of my artwork. But what does that mean for you? Like, is there an edge, like, would you ever do acid? Like, do you think that would just push you beyond where you already are? Like, or do you have this what this huge conscious ability to view things that other people need chemicals to view? I don't know how, what how to ask that. Yeah, I suppose I live in that kind of reality more often than the average person does, and mm -hmm. that's just become so normal for me that I almost I overlook it all the time and. I'll say, I'll say things in conversation that other people might not say. And then sometimes I remember who I'm talking to, like, you know, just matter of factly say, oh yes. And my ex-boyfriend who passed away came to talk to me one night and he told me, you know, I really need to go and explore Sedona, Arizona. He said, you know, my healing powers would be five times more. So I'm so interested in going and visit. I'll just like say that in a conversation. And the person will be like, you make a double take because like, what? You, you were talking to a dead person? Like, and yeah, sometimes, sometimes I need to remember who it is I'm talking to. <laughs> but like talking to dead people, like the mediumship, realm seems to be fairly common these days what what else can you provide us with that is like way out there that's super way out there mm -hmm. um, hmm. um well you know journeying journeying is really interesting uh journeying with uh power animals it's like becoming one with an animal Mm -hmm. and and experiencing our reality as an animal and seeing what that animal does for example um i've worked a lot with wolf and uh was able to be part of a wolf family it's so it's sort of like having this experience of being a wolf and being a part of the pack and and um, hunting with the pack and seeing how they communicated with each other telepathically and seeing how they 
took down a deer and then seeing how all the different generations of wolves, how they, um, how they were fed, how the meat was brought back to the den, um, what was happening in the den. Of course, there was the really old wolves there and there was the really young pups there and, you know, seeing, you know, sort of like adult wolves eat meat and then bring it back to the den and regurgitate it, you know, just like seeing into realities that you may normally never see into as a human being, but through shamanic journeying, you connect with animals and you connect with the power of the animal and go on these journeys and just kind of see what their life is like. Cool. One of the like being a bear, like being a bear walking through the forest and all the roots and things that the bear is digging for and what kind of medicinal yumminess they're they're uh, they're finding and all the different things that they're eating and and how they use medicine mm-hmm. and their senses, like how their senses mm-hmm. are yeah. being perceived by the spirit or the body. I think it's pretty cool. Um, one animal that's been with me for a bit now has been the snake, and it's been like two snakes. It's kind of interesting. And um, I have a craving, which seems rather strange to me, is that I want to get bit by a snake. And primarily, I want to be bit by a rattlesnake. I have no idea what, where this craving is coming from or what it means. But yeah, it's just bizarre. Mm. What do you think? Well, maybe it's your power. Maybe it's it's one of your power animals, and you just need to learn more about what that animal has to teach you. If you definitely do want to be bit by the snake, have you ever done it? Have you ever done a journey with the snake? Like a shamanic journey? Not with a snake, no. Okay. Perhaps maybe something I would be honored to facilitate you with. Doing mm-hmm. a journey with your animal. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, why don't you think I want to get bit by a rattlesnake? Why do I think you want to get bit by <laughs> why, a rattlesnake? Why do you think I shouldn't uh, want to be bit by a rattlesnake? Oh, I didn't say that. Oh. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want you to, you know, die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that would be the risk. If it was an adult rattlesnake, do you think it would just more be like a paralyzing uh, bite or a warning bite? Mm. I don't know enough about the poison in rattlesnakes to really speak on it as an expert, but I think that you could be sort of not like, maybe you don't necessarily want to be physically bit by a snake, but maybe you want to be, uh, you want to be, um, transformed by the energy or the medicine that the snake has to offer. Because mm. I have worked with, I have worked with, I, I won't tell you exactly what your medicine is with the snake, but for a while I did work with um, a rainbow serpent. And the rainbow serpent is, well, the serpent energy is very much about Kundalini and about sexual energy. And we're, I found the rainbow serpent um, and serpents in general work with a lot of transformation and also with DNA, you know, the spiraling of the DNA and, mm-hmm. and 
and the snake can can completely reprogram a person's DNA, um, change their history, so to speak, uh, remove fear from their body and their DNA and their lineage, their ancestor, their ancestry. So it's really, really powerful medicine to be working with. And you know, you're doing an, an expansion cast, so you are you really want to provide a um, a platform for people to who are seeking this a transformation or an evolution or you know a rebirthing. You know, people might be seeking this kind of information to expand and, and change. So <laughs> powerful medicine snake. So do you have do you have insights that are occurring as we talk about this? Like um like for me to to sort of provide I mean I mean I can drop in at any at any time and 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 receive information that is beyond me. I'm just kind of babbling right now. But <laughs> but I can intentionally drop in a bit more. Yeah. And get that, more insight for you. And is there, is there um, a hesitation there to do that? No. Because I'm wide open. You can tell me anything. I can tell you anything. Absolutely. Okay. okay. I'll tell you anything. Whatever, whatever wants to come, whatever wants to come through for you. Um, yeah, that, the, um, what I'm getting right now is that, the you know, this desire to be poisoned, like kind of like mushrooms and, and all other toxins. We were having this conversation yesterday about toxic plants. Mm -hmm. I found this really, um, highly poisonous plant in my backyard and you were saying, well, maybe that's medicine that you need. So what's coming through right now is that, you know, sometimes ingesting or, or being bitten by a snake and, and getting this poison that brings us so close to our death is actually, um, is actually can be a huge catalyst for change and transformation because it does face us uh, with our death, you know, life and death and so um i'm just picking up that you are ready for something that intense you're kind of ready for a um yes i don't know just like some kind of intense transformation like i'm 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 almost seeing your skin being pulled back and pulled off you know like the shedding of a skin the shedding of a layer of skin like like a snake you know that's another part of the transformation of the snake is this like they all they writhe and they wiggle and move against things and then they shed this whole layer quite often when i'm doing healing work especially if i'm working with the snake a person will shed a whole layer of skin and old stuff dead stuff will just fall away so um yeah, are you feeling like there's some old energy that you're ready to just get get rid of or or leave behind right now? 
I have no idea. It's funny as you were talking about the poison of the snake and how how that brings one close to maybe the doorway of death or something. I was reminded about yesterday when I was out for a hike, I had a huge tick on my leg and it actually freaked me out. <laughs> but yeah, I don't feel like I'm afraid of a venomous snake bite. Isn't that bizarre? So I don't think it has anything to do with death because the, otherwise I think it, I, the tick would not have bothered me, right? Or maybe not. Well, ticks don't kill. They just give us nasty diseases like Lyme's disease. So. <laughs> True. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, do I feel like there's a... Well, I'm always in transformation. There's, I don't... I don't ever know of a time in my life I haven't been in transformation. It feels like uh, when I'm not in transformation, I am anticipating the next time I experience transformation. So um, I don't know what to say, how to answer that. Okay. Well, it seems like it's a constant. I'm seeing like this. It's like I'm trying, I'll try to describe the image. When I look at you, I see this image. Of, it's like, it's like, um, Sometimes, you know, when you see on the, when you watch a computer graphic and it just keeps going to the branches and keeps going and it keeps going and you know, it zooms, it's like it's constantly zooming in. Like a fractal. Are you talking a about fractal. a fractal? Yeah. Yeah. I see this. That's what I see when I look at you is I see this constantly, you know, evolving, blossoming, like, Yeah. Well, kind of and I just yeah. I just saw two snakes in a fractal a couple of days ago too. <laughs> you, on your on your computer or no, like in my mind. Oh, in your mind. Yeah, there mm -hmm. might there might have been a little bit of DMT involved. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. It does? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know DMT. Yeah. Uh -huh. Because of the shamanistic nature of yourself, you maybe have explored that aspect of life. DMT? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I've dated some very shamany type people who were into things like DMT and salvia divinorum and um you know these these types of substances you know more like that earthy mushroomy mushroom kind of stuff mm -hmm. so um I think they open up a doorway like ayahuasca I mean ayahuasca is DMT too but uh yeah. They open up a doorway for some vision, but um, I'm a big fan of smoking DMT. It's quite different for for me than uh, doing lots of meditation and naturally experiencing those visions on my own. Mm -hmm. Have you? Are you able to go into a state where you can experience the fractals in your mind 
without assistance other than maybe meditation or something um i can i think i can go pretty much wherever i sort of set my intention on going um as far as like going into vision or communication with other dimensions it's I can I can kind of go where I want to I don't often want to go into like a fractal vision so I've never like purposely gone there but um yeah I can kind of go where I set my intention on going and see what happens mm -hmm. without the need for substances sweet <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this but it's interesting it's always interesting to explore the different facets of life and yeah um, I just don't know how, how beneficial you know I don't know how beneficial those visions really are to people um, like myself seeing the twin snakes in the vision I had they, they actually, it was interesting because it was two twin snakes in a fractal, green and yellow and white. And then they turned into a luminescent light that was like shining down into my head and basically making it so that I could see the entire room around me with my eyes closed. It's kind of an interesting experience. I'm still processing that vision and but however saying that I'm not sure whether having visions like that that maybe they're invited but somewhat forced or in any you know they might not be in any way particularly helpful in well it sounds like you opened up your you opened up your third eye you know, like the, the, the snakes, the, especially the double snake, the, the, the double snake, you know, like rises like Kundalini from the base of the body or the pelvis and can come up and crisscross mm -hmm. at each chakra point. And then the place where they come together is at the third eye. And um, then, yeah, being able to see and kind of like your whole room with your eyes closed uh i don't know it sounds like a a signifying of the opening of your third eye where they come to meet to a different uh level than previously or something hey and yeah maybe yeah and if you're meditating a lot and you're focusing on the glands mm -hmm. in the center of the head then you're opening those glands up, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland. The only desire, yeah, the only desire I have now is to actually do some research on rattlesnake venom. That's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're very visual. Mm -hmm. You're an artist. So, so yeah, visions are, can be very creative and inspiring. So tell me how you're bringing 
your beingness, your fullness of who you are to the plate of service? How are you being of service to other people in the coming weeks? Well, <laughs> um, I just recently actually did three days live on my Facebook page called Wildly Woman. Yeah. And in the three live days, I was really addressing um, women in particular, but people who feel shut down and stuck and lonely. I've been thinking a lot about how lonely people must be feeling um, stuck at home, especially those who are single. I, I'm single, so I'm at home alone. I have my cat here, which is, my cat is great company, but yeah, I kept coming back over and over and over to, um, to sort of help people who felt lonely. So I made um, these, I'd had these three live days um, and uh, it was helping people with uh, their loneliness and, and how to kind of get through a period where they may not be experiencing as much connection as they need because um, they may feel cut off from their family or their friends. So that's where I was really drawn to help people. And then, and then I decided um, also to kind of create a, a 21 day challenge for women who want to feel more wild and free, but also want to feel more connected within the situation that we find ourselves in. So um, I created the Wild Woman Activation 21 Day Challenge. So this is, this is to go deeper into what I call the five steps of activating the wild woman. So I'm all about helping people to um, discover what their feminine powers are and how that can help you to um, be, get unstuck and um, to get your energy flowing, uh, to feel like you belong, to feel connected, um, to help women uh, with, you know, because we all have so much relationship trauma. So I want to help people to learn how to use this time and use maybe lonely feelings they were have to really bust through any kind of patterns that they had that prevented them from being supported and being held and being uh, nurtured by their connections, starting with themselves, of course, mm -hmm. um, and then being able to receive that connection um, with and from people around them. And a big part of Wild Woman Activation is also activating, um, you know, self-love and joy and pleasure and activating around sexuality things that I'm known for <laughs> specializing in helping women to get grounded and connected to nature so so yeah I have a free um wild woman activation five-step process that is for anybody to download from my Facebook page which is wildly woman and my website which is wildlywoman.com and this Friday I'm starting to go deeper and to the wild woman activation 21 day challenge and I'm going to be it's going to be like 21 minutes a day I'm giving people really fun exercises to go deeper into the five steps 
So that is how I am choosing to serve. And I feel like it's really important right now to, um, to learn skills of connection and cooperation, because I kind of feel like this whole global thing we're experiencing is going to be drawing us into deeper connection with each other. And, and we need skills to connect with each other. And we need skills to receive support, to rely on each other, to be more sustainable. So there's a huge kind of like sustainability bent to what I'm doing as well, connection with the earth. Mm -hmm. And coming back to tribe, really, coming back to feeling like we're like we belong and that we're part of a tribe and that we can go further together. So that's a that's a bigger part of my my big why is about helping people to really connect to what true sustainability is, which is connection with each other and developing relationships and community and connecting with the earth, our biggest supporter of life. So what do you think the biggest limitation is that is impeding people from um, embracing community in a healthy way? Relationship trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you hear about people who try to live in community and they can't do it because people have so many, you know, differences. Mm -hmm. You know? And so and can't see, we can't see beyond all these little tiny personal differences to actually like, I mean, when people do get together and cooperate, we create amazing things together, don't we? Yeah. As human beings, like yeah. it takes groups of people coming together and doing things together to create. And I feel like we could really work on that through um, working on ourselves, working out relationship trauma, working on communication learning how to be with each other, even when we are experiencing our little differences. Yeah, do you, do you find that those little differences are subtle things we're doing to maintain an illusion of safety, an illusion of empowerment? Mm-hmm, yep. So, and then I want to go into maybe being lonely. There might be something happening there that's that's creating a, a safety, a version of being safe that's uh, causing us to feel the loneliness. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We all kind of we put a like a wall or a bubble or some kind of barrier up around us, which keeps us safe yeah. you know and we learn to do that in our life from having negative experiences but then you know if you go through your whole life and don't address that bubble that's around you you're you know you will be blocking yourself from receiving good interactions and good connections and receiving um other beneficial things that are trying to come to you, but they can't because mm -hmm. you're protecting yourself. So I guess what you're saying is you're saying we need to embrace our wildness and let that wildness expand and push our edges. Yeah. Finding our 
like our wildness as almost like our authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wildness is sort of like, you know, it's just, you know, you're expressing and saying how you truly feel, being honest, um, not without regard for who you're talking to and being sensitive and all that. You know, it's not just about being an asshole and saying whatever you want, <laughs> but it's, it's about, yeah, you know, expressing what it is that you really do need and how you really are feeling about things, you know, with tact and also knowing when to say things and when not to say things <laughs> takes a bit of skill, but I just feel like a lot of the time women especially uh, can be raised to be people pleasers mm. uh, or martyrs or, you know, these people that keep the peace. And so they, they want to, a, they want to be loved and uh, they want to be included and they want to be part of the family and part of the group and part of the tribe. So um, women will often do the people pleasing thing to cooperate and then they will over cooperate to their detriment. Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't serve them because then they can't be who they really need to be and move forward in a way that they really need to move forward. So you know, helping women to identify how they're really feeling and what they really need is uh, part of what I what I help women to do so they can move forward more powerfully. So, okay, why are you marketing to just women and not all genders? Um, can you hold on one quick sec, Mike? cat although she does have a bell brought a bird in the house just one quick second awesome. i'm gonna release the bird <laughs> hey. oh my gosh oh my gosh i'm so sorry that was quite the I distraction had bird, i had a bird flying around in the room so it's alive it's doing well <laughs> i i put it up out of the cat's reach so it could kind of like you know get its wit its <laughs> come out of its shock and hopefully it will fly away. What kind of bird was it? Uh, some kind of songbird. Mm. Oh my god, my cat is such a good hunter. Even with the bell, she catches birds. <laughs> that, that was an interesting distraction right after my wild question about <laughs> why is your service towards women and not all genders? Um, yeah, well, I'm obviously just to narrow my niche, I work with women, but to be honest, it's not just, you know, I, I'm not just working with um, the feminine and women. I, I suppose I could be also working with the same energy in men, mm -hmm. helping them to identify how they're feeling and what their needs are and working with men from a sexual standpoint. But I think in, I, in the, I've chosen to work with women because I'm a woman, so I can relate as a woman. Um, and also because I feel like the feminine energy on the planet is, it, it needs some, some nurturing right now. And, and um, 
And this has been a, an area that I have really dove quite deep into within myself. And um, we have kind of like been living in a more masculine culture, a more masculine society, or at least those aspects of our being have been highlighted, let's say, for the last few centuries or so. And so I think um, it's important to bring some understanding to some of our feminine powers um, right now to help balance the masculine and the feminine on the planet. So that's a big part of why I choose to work with the feminine. Mm. But you're right, it is within all people, no matter what your gender or your identification is, it's working with helping to balance masculine and feminine in general. Right. And, you know, like I hear you saying, um, assigning roles for genders and like nurturing is maybe a feminine aspect. But I've met, you know, in my life, I have a lot of male role models that are nurturers. They might be nurturers, maybe in different ways than a Actually, I probably have total, I have more men in my life that are nurturers in every way than women, which is interesting. But I mean, the reason, part of the reason I started Expansion Cast Unity Circle was because I noticed how uh, circles that were cast just for the female or just for the male were making or segregating and making stories about each gender that were untrue. Mm -hmm. And I think my concern is that I, I understand that both men and women have this perception that they need a safe space with like gendered people to explore and expand. But I believe that that need to find that safe place is um, a limitation and a limitation that we need to move beyond because we need to see that we're all one. We're all in this together. And just because our genitals are different, it really doesn't mean that we're different people, that we have different aspirations, desires, passions, uh, roles. You know, I mean, I think we have to see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely believe that we are all one. And I also feel like depending on where a person is in their evolution, it can be beneficial to see how um, those energies are complementary. So seeing kind of contrast and how we're complementary uh, can also help us get to that that vision or that uh, understanding of, of oneness. Does that make sense? In a, in a way it does. Um, yeah. 
I mean, just knowing yourself, right? Like, for example, when I first uh, started even contemplating what it meant to be a woman, I was like, hmm, I was living in Japan. And so a completely different culture from North America. And I noticed that, wow, in Japan, women wear skirts a lot more of the time. They dress more feminine a lot more of the time. And um, that just made me more aware of how masculine I had been dressing. And it kind of, and, and yeah, Japanese women are um, like culturally, they exemplify their feminine, some of their feminine characteristics more than North American women do. I found like, when I compared and contrasted the two cultures, it seemed like North American women were trying to be more like men. And in Japan, women were trying to be more like women. So it kind of made me question, oh, um, what does it mean to be feminine? And then just even questioning how my culture raised me to be, to exemplify my masculine traits more than my, like, I just never even, I never thought about that until I saw the contrasts of it. So ultimately it's coming back to balance of the two, but to understand the differences and the contrasts and the, and the, and the way that those energies complement each other um, has helped me to arrive more at that understanding of oneness, how different energies inside of myself helped me to be more balanced and um, how it, it exists, you know, like the feminine energies exist in, in my partners. Okay, so where are we now? Um, we're sort of just kind of like talking in, in, uh, in and out of different topics. Yeah, this is probably the strangest podcast I've ever had. <laughs> I sort of like to let, you know, you lead. You're the man. What? It's your podcast. So I'm just following you. You are. And how is that working out? I don't, I don't mind it. It's, it's kind of fun. You know, I don't need to have a certain agenda and a cer certain topic. It's, uh, it's totally okay for me. But I'm following your lead. Nice. So is that the feminine? Yeah. And you choose to be in that role because it's comfortable or because it's respectful or what? Um, I guess maybe it's kind of my default, I suppose. If I'm around somebody who is more alpha, like I can be around women. If a woman decides she wants to be really alpha around me, I'm just like, go ahead. If you want to be the alpha, just, you know, I don't need to fight you for that position. You can be the alpha male, you know, whether I actually listen to what you say or follow you is another, is another story. You know, we all have our own relationship with authority and control, but there is a big part of my feminine that likes to um that likes to let the masculine lead and um 
I like, you know, even in the bedroom, I like a little bit of, I like to be, I like control. I like, you know, like someone who's really direct and know what they, knows what they want and goes for it. And, you know, like. <laughs> I, I can see your face, but nobody can hear it. <laughs> That's funny. You know what I'm talking about. I think so. You know, it's all different for me. I, I think because I am more of an explorer that I don't, I don't know if I have the, you know, some people are very direction oriented where, you know, the masculine comes out and they know exactly what they want, how they want it, when they want it, blah, 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 blah. But I'm not in that space of, I don't feel that's very exploratory. And mm -hmm. I feel it, it, that is somewhat limiting. Sometimes I know what I want. Maybe I know exactly what I want for dinner. And sometimes I know exactly what I want in the bedroom. And I'll ask for that, make a request. But a lot of the time, I think I just like to flow with uh, something new, maybe something unexpected. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and share the lead. Yeah, so yeah, so that's um, your ability to be with the flow and to explore is sort of that mystery. Uh, the feminine mystery, like, where are we going? It's a journey. <laughs> yeah. It's around the next corner. Playfulness. And, it, and it's interesting now that I think about it, because I think that even leading can be, can be an exploration because it can be playful. And I think mm -hmm. if I'm leading, I'm, I move a little bit more to the playfulness and that right. would be, I think that's more in relationship scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm leading in business or something, mm -hmm. I think I'm a little bit more ruthless and <laughs> I, I know exactly where I want to be. And, mm -hmm. and then that's more about like a, um, maybe I'm a bit of a dictator when it comes to that kind of scenario. Mm. So definitely more masculine on the business side mm -hmm. and maybe a bit more feminine in the relationship side. Yeah. And pretty much all other life, I think, are more feminine. Yeah. Right. So would you say that in relationship, like, do you, do you set your sight on a, a person, let's say, a woman, and be like, yes, I want her, and go directly to pursuing her? Or... Do you use your charisma and your attraction and your looks? Because you're a good-looking man. Um, do you, you. kind of like let women come to you and be more of the pursuers of you? Well, that's interesting because I've been wondering that myself because I'm so freaking blind to whether women like me or not or have any interest in me i like totally mm -hmm. i don't know what but i'm completely blind to that and i've been trying really trying really hard to pay attention to that because i traditionally let women come to me i basically kind of sit on my 
throne and mm -hmm. and see who walks through the door who who has the um who has the courage to walk through the door and step in front of me and be seen and that's not always a great place to be because i find the the ones that have the courage to step through that step into that space are have a lot more masculine traits than what i want in my world right so by you being in your feminine you're calling you're calling women to kind of like pursue you so you are kind of effectively putting by being so receptive and so magnetizing and sitting backness you know in your throne as you call it you are kind of requiring other people to move towards you right so they will be more in their masculine ridiculous <laughs> but it's true yeah okay so um yeah so lately i've been changing it up a bit i've been moving into a space where i'm clear so I found, so what I found was that when I was move, leaving my throne to go yeah. pursue, I was pursuing out of neediness. I was pursuing out of an unhealthy space of, of want. And it never worked out. It just never worked out. I always uh, reached out to somebody who was receptive to somebody who was in neediness and, um, and of course, you know that that's super unhealthy. And so, but now what I do is I move into this space of feeling clear and being open to communicating, uh, just communicating anything, like just communicating my curiosities. And I find in that clear state, um, women are more receptive to it and I'm able to um, um, attract or be attractive in a different sense. You know, I guess outside of outside of limiting structures or limiting um, desires. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The neediness is definitely not an attractive quality, and we can kind of pick up on it, you know, because it comes from a place of lack. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have something and I need it from you. So it's not an overflowing, generous, abundant feeling. It's more coming from like, I don't have something within myself. So I need to get it from you. It's quite a feeling quality, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but I, how did you make that transition from needy to clarity? Rollerblading. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a strange night because I've been wondering why I keep attracting um, people that have um, maybe some limiting um, characteristics. I, I don't want to say anything bad about people because we're all in different stages, but definitely not everybody's meant for each other. And I was attracting, I went out rollerblading one night and I'm 
rollerblading around and there's this one really attractive woman and so I tried to talk to her, tried to talk to her, but I knew I just felt this this maybe because she was so attractive it was um that it it was fulfilling some need of mine. So and I can't say need is in an authentic need, but an unhealthy need to be there. Maybe there was some empowerment happening by by having this attractive woman be attracted to me or something, something unhealthy. Um, but every time I approached an attractive woman in that setting, it like just fell apart and the energy was all fucked up. But anyway, rollerblading that night, I did attract. I, I did uh, try talking to one woman, and it just didn't work out. And then I thought, well, what am I doing? Like, why? What's going on? So I got really quiet with myself, you know, doing some laps, and started to let go of the neediness that I noticed was there, the neediness to be seen and accepted by somebody beautiful, and I let that go. And I allowed myself to be empowered just by the space I was in, to be empowered by the basically the, the state of nothingness, you know, the, the the void within me. And so I just rollerbladed in that, and all of a sudden, I think that was you know it was picked up on, and all of a sudden I was in a conversation with with a woman who I had perceived as like 25 years younger than me for some reason and we were talking and and uh it was absolutely amazing and she actually you know followed me out to my car afterwards and we had a long conversation and it was really nice and and that was what clarity brought me was something authentic what didn't bring me some uh form of limiting um relationship or something mm -hmm. that was a long answer to a simple question yeah but kind of just was a very masterful example of how you completely flipped that around uh in in one story in one example you you decided to be with yourself and even if that was like this void, I I mean, I can kind of relate because I know I was attracting a lot of needy people and also feeling needy when I was afraid of being alone. I went through uh, probably quite a few years where I was afraid that if I was alone, that, that meant that, you know, nobody loved me and I wasn't worthy. So I was afraid of that state of aloneness. And and so I can identify it wasn't until I actually got into that being aloneness and then realizing, oh, hey, I'm actually okay here. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I was afraid of, you know, it's like the fear of the only thing there is to fear is fear itself. I was afraid of what it meant to be alone. Maybe it meant that I wasn't worthy of being loved, and, you know, that I would be alone forever. So, um, but it wasn't until I got into that aloneness and 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 switched from feeling lonely to being like oh yeah I'm I'm okay here I'm I'm fine I I'm actually okay by myself and that's when I met somebody 
Yeah. And the and funny thing, relationship. The funny thing is, is that um, even though I was like trying to um, start a conversation with what, who I thought was the most attractive woman in the room and that fell apart, the, the woman that came into my presence when I was in, in my clear state was actually turned out to be the most gorgeous woman in the room. Just so bizarre. Wow. And you didn't notice her before? No, I mean, I thought she was like, I thought she was a teenager or something. It was like she wasn't even, it was somebody I wasn't even paying attention to. It was like kind of bizarre. But yeah, she was like, once we started talking, she was probably you know, five, seven years younger than me or something. But yeah. yeah. Maybe it was the way she was dressed, my assumptions, so many things going on. So many things going on. And I used to ask myself, like, oh my God, why am I attracting these needy people into my life? And, and it was just to show me what that energy feels like. You know, like to show me how how I was being. I don't think there's any mistakes. The universe kind of shows you a mirror reflection of what you're putting out there. Yeah. So I was attracting all these needy people in my in my work. And it was like really repulsed by the energy. So part of the repulsion around this needy feeling also got me to look at that feeling that I have of being needy within myself and to actually kind of give it a little bit more compassion and give it a bit more love. Because if we're repulsed by something, we're pushing it away, we can't integrate it into our being. So I found that through a state of acceptance of that and, and loving that and being like, okay, you know, there's this part of me that feels really needy, like that I was able to kind of integrate it and, and heal it mm -hmm. a bit more. So it's kind of, you know, like it's often when we have these feelings that come up, we, we do want to push them away or reject them, that's not really going to help us either. Um, but recognizing them, acknowledging them, and accepting them in a way, but then, you know, like what you did, you returned to this kind of like more neutral space and you found this uh, a presence within yourself. Being present with yourself, I think, is, well... You know, I did a loneliness meditation um, on my live stream on wildly, my Wildly Woman Facebook page. We did a loneliness busting meditation. And it's a really powerful meditation because it makes you become present really with yourself. It kind of sounds like that's what you did too. Yeah, absolutely. I became present with myself and I accepted the loneliness. I accepted that there's an aspect of me that might feel that. And I was just okay with it. Um, and I didn't judge it. It's just, it's there. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's probably our innate um, programming to 
find a partner. I mean, it's part of our species. Yeah. It's, it's much like when we feel fear. I mean, are we, are we, you know, pulled to the ground and frozen? Or do we just open our senses and walk through? You know? Mm-hmm. This life is a beautiful yeah. place to be. Yeah. I think this is useful information. So very useful information. I heard a quote today and that was I don't know if it's pertinent, but it feels like it. And it says, A privilege of a lifetime is to be who you are. And that was Joseph Campbell. Hmm. And I think as long as we're in a space of neediness. We're, we're never who we are. We're always looking mm-hmm. outside for somebody else to fulfill or, you know, make yeah. us. Approve. Yeah. We're looking for approval from the outside. It's important to be able to get that approval from within. Otherwise, you're constantly going to be seeking it from the outside. Yeah. I had that sense yesterday. I was, I'm, I'm feeling this, um, full flower moon that's coming on the 7th of May. And uh, I read all about the full flower moon and I was bang on feeling all these emotions. And and one of them was about belonging. You know, there's a a deep, uh, I would say there was like, I've had a trauma around belonging. And so there's this deep need and this deep desire to belong to belong to someone, to belong to a family, you know, to belong to, yeah, just belonging. So that was up for me last night because I had an experience where I wasn't invited to something and I really sunk deep into this, like, just want to belong, you know? You do belong. I invited you here. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. And I haven't even asked you to do a naked podcast. A naked podcast? Yeah, I did one a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's holes in my shirt. Oh yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. It's a very feminine shirt. It looks good on you. Thanks. I know. Uh, I interviewed uh, Farron Astley a few days ago. Or a week ago or something. I haven't put it up yet. Um, anyway, so she usually wears like, I don't know what kind of clothing you call it, like festival clothing. I don't know what you'd call that. And for me, it's like really earthy clothing and stuff. Yeah. And to me, that feels very masculine for some reason. And she came on the podcast wearing this beautiful flowered shirt and I had never seen her in such a feminine shirt. I was like, wow, who is this? It's like all of a sudden it just brought out all her feminine features. It was like amazing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just amazing the little things we can do to change how we're perceived or how we're seen. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the holes in your shirt are telling me or what they want to tell me. About. Yeah, because you started talking about naked podcasts, so I'm kind of wondering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
What are you wondering? <laughs> you, where the where did that come from? Um, did... <laughs> I don't know. But it was like when we were, I was in the podcast and we were talking about uh, desires, and I had mm-hmm. an authentic desire to do a naked podcast, and she was actually in my office here, and uh, she's like, and so I told her, and she's like, yeah, let's do it. So we stripped right on the podcast and sat down right in front of each other and did a naked podcast. That's really cute. <laughs> that reminds me of how, like, just the ability to act. One thing that's been liberated within me over the years of all of my self-development and healing and, you know, all this this work that I've done on myself is the ability to act on my desires, which is so liberating and so freeing is to have an idea one moment and then actually do something about it, act on it. I mean, in social situations with attractions, you know, Mm -hmm. with attractions with men, with attractions with women, to be able to ask for it, of course, ask permission and then just like receive it right then there. Yeah. I was way too shut down around certain aspects of my, I don't know, my sexuality and my desires to be able to ask for that. So happy that's changed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Do you find I think that's part of that, you know, sort of that dive into your authenticity, like to know, okay, I'm having this feeling. I want this. Let's do a naked podcast. Yeah, let's do it. And there mm-hmm. you are having a naked podcast. <laughs> yeah. And it pushed a few edges for me, although some people wouldn't think it would, because, I mean, I've danced with, I've been the only person in a group of 40 naked dancing. So, I, you know, I like to push edges. And, you know, I a lot of those things go around my own, um, my my own body image, et cetera, et cetera, and working through that and and learning to accept this body, and I think that's a bit that's quite a tantric thing to do. Um, yeah, absolutely. To love your body, to you know, be able to be vulnerable as well yeah. with with yourself and with others around how you feel about your body. But then also to be seen as beautiful because what I've noticed from working with women and, you know, diving really deep into five week long trainings with all women doing Tantra training is the most beautiful of women, like the most gorgeous women, they will still, if there's like a pimple, on their face or a flaw on their body. It's like, we will focus so intensely on these flaws and these things that are, that we see as, as preventing us from being beautiful, but then we lose sight of like how beautiful we really are. So I've just, after leading so many groups of women over and over again, I see it doesn't matter how beautiful a woman is. She could be absolutely drop dead gorgeous every single woman finds flaws with her body it's so critical of her body Mm -hmm. and um yeah so learning to love 
those aspects of ourselves or just even to recognize or be seen, mm -hmm. to be seen by other women saying, yeah, this is something that I can't, I have trouble accepting about myself. And then just being in a group of women, we're all accepting or looking at different parts of ourselves. It really brings you back to this kind of humble place where you're like, wow, she's gorgeous. And she is having trouble with, you know, like this shape of her nose. She's amazingly gorgeous. So it kind of, you know, being in that environment helps you to sort of see that we all are beautiful. We should focus on our beauty more. Yeah, you know, as you are saying all that, you're making me feel more like a woman. <laughs> I think, I don't know if everybody does it. I think there's, you know, this is a human thing, but I mean, if we narrow our focus to one little part of our, one little aspect of our being, yeah, we just start to pick it apart and, and see its limited nature because it is limited. It's just a tiny little aspect. And then when we back up and look at the whole beautiful picture, we no longer see those little things and we start to see this orgasmic radiant being flowing in the universe and being in love with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that ability to pull back from focusing on the part of yourself that is limiting and pull back and focus on the whole picture and see, okay, well, if I actually I've got all this going on for me, like, you know, like maybe I wasn't invited to one gathering and I'm really focusing on how I don't feel like I belong. But if I pull back and really, you know, meditate and go for a walk in nature and, you know, like do all these other things that help me to connect to how much I do belong and to the groups of people that I do connect with. It's really a matter of changing your perspective so, so much. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to the uh, naked podcast thing. What was happening there for me? Cause I just realized what, what was going on. So I noticed you sitting there and I noticed like, your shirt has, does have the holes and stuff, and I notice I'm pulled to your chest. And usually when I'm pulled to, um, not necessarily like looking at breasts, but I mean looking, if I get pulled energetically towards uh, the feminine chest, it's usually an indication that I feel like I need nurturing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And that, so, so I tuned into that, and yeah, yeah, right now I feel like I need some nurturing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Strange how that had to come out, though. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Very mm -hmm. vulnerable. Is it? Mm. Yeah, and very honest. Mm -hmm. Very observant of yourself and your feelings and your sensations. Yeah, it's so primal, too. Primal? What do you mean? Yeah. Well, you know, to be attracted to a woman's breasts is, you know, we're, that's often the way that we were nurtured as babies. So mm -hmm. feeling a pull towards the chest and the heart and this area so is like the, the breasts are how we're nurtured and fed love and sustenance for the beginning of our life. So 
Mm. I see that being a very strong draw for not just men, but also for women, but maybe more for men too, because there's also that added, you know, sexual attraction to the breasts. But Yeah, and in, in this moment, there's no sexual attraction there. It's just a feeling of uh, that nurturing, attraction for nurturing. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's cool. But on do you your, feel like you're getting that? Um, you know, as I'm saying it, we're talking. Yeah, I do in a way. Um, but it's interesting because the perception can be like if this is natural for men to or even women to look at the chest of another being, a feminine being, um, in a, when they're in a state of desire for nurturing, that could be misunderstood by mm -hmm. you know the fem the woman yeah it's interesting yeah we're so sensitive <laughs> <laughs> are you sensitive today um i'm i'm feeling pretty neutral so far today yeah but no i don't feel sensitive you know around my chest now I was even looking at my own chest because I can kind of see my nipples through my shirt. <laughs> I feel sexy. So you are feeling something now. So, <laughs> but it's on video. We can't even tell where the other person's looking anyway. It's kind of bizarre that way. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I had smaller breasts growing up. But, you know, they still got some attention, but I definitely noticed um, my girlfriends getting more attention who had bigger breasts. And then, you know, when I was Wonder Woman that one time at Halloween, wow, I put on a bra and stuffed the bra and holy did I ever notice everybody staring at my chest, like, <laughs> like 80% more than usual. And I was like, whoa, so this is what it's like to have big breasts. And it was it was kind of distracting actually, because like instead of like looking at my face, people were looking at my people were staring at my boobs and my chest more. And I'm like, wow, that you know, to, mm -hmm. to be a woman who had to go through her life with big breasts and just people are just constantly staring at your breasts, that that might that must do something <laughs> to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine. Well, I can imagine all sorts of things, but um, I imagine, you know, I've, I think I can imagine because when I had a really long beard, did you see me when I had a long beard? You look like you have a long beard right now. Oh, no. It was like down to like here. It was like okay. six times longer than now. But everybody looked at my beard and everybody talked about my beard it was like i didn't exist anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> so i think it must be the same yeah and i used to have this theory that you know people would hide behind their hair i would judge people i'd be like oh you with your dreadlocks you're hiding behind your hair you're using your hair somehow to hide 
kind, to create an image, you know, like I was kind of judgy about dreadlocks. Is <laughs> <laughs> there more to the story? What's that? Is there more to the story? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I, I, I realized that, you know, that if I'm, that when I, I used to be so judgmental, actually, uh, I one day realized that I was really just super judgmental of myself. And so that was part of the journey to self-love was just learning to love myself. And the less, the more I love myself, the less judgmental I've become about uh, less judgmental I have become of people and you know my current friends even just having a conversation with one of my good friends you know a couple of weeks ago she said one of the things I noticed about you is you're you don't seem judgmental at all you're so open and accepting of people and and you don't seem to judge people for things and I'm like yeah well I used to <laughs> mm -hmm. I hear you because I was the same way yeah and people Journey. and people say the same thing to me now and they're saying how you know how do you get to where you are how do you get yeah. so open yeah um <clears throat> as a matter of fact uh, a few weeks ago in expansion casts unity circle that's online every week every tuesday at 7 p.m um one of the uh one of the people that were in the circle, she approached me you know, a few days later and she says like, how do you, how do you express like that in front of people? And I said, what, what do you mean? She goes like, like when you were screaming and dancing around, I'm like, oh, um, so when, let me tell you like when, when I'm in a circle, if I feel an energy pulling me to dance, I'll dance. You know, if it's my turn to share, I'll dance. If I feel an energy that's really stuck and I need to scream or something, I'll scream. And she's like, well, like, how do you do it? And I said, well, I do it because I realize that fear is bullshit and that whatever your judgments are, aren't mine. And that where I am, if I'm doing this and it's helping me release and move through some limitation or some stagnant energy. And on the other side is freedom, but I'm in like, I fucking care what you think about what I'm doing. I'm fucking in for freedom. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And not to mention not caring what other people think about you. When you do that, you also give people permission to do that for themselves, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, opens the door for other people to experience their their wholeness and courage. The courage to step through fear. Yeah. Thank you, Osho. Because <laughs> Osho has a really good book on courage. Uh huh. Yeah, I've seen that book. Have you read it? No. I have the intimacy book. Oh, right. But there's like a whole series of books, right? With different, well, different topics. There's a, I think what they did was they took a whole bunch of his older books and separated all the writings into like themed books. Yeah. 
So, um, yes, so Courage was one of the newer themed books, which is really good. And then uh, one that was just gifted to me a while ago is Tantric Transformation, and that one's really good too. Mm. I have a lot of Osho books here, which I haven't read half of them, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan. Definitely a fan of Osho. He's, um, I found, I, I was reading a book by, do you know Margot Anand? Yes. I and actually, she, I seen her in Bali. Yeah, me too. Oh. She came and, <laughs> she came and spoke with our class. I've met her a few times actually, um, in Bali. Mm -hmm. And she came and spoke with our class and she was sharing, uh, well, she wrote a book, um, and uh, I won the book. I won the prize. So I got to, you know, read her latest book. Um, and in the book, she talks about how even before she met Osho, he was coming and appearing to her in visions. And then she finally met him. And it's funny because I was having the same thing in my tantric um, practices when I would get into really super high states um you know i had experiences where osho would show up like several times mm -hmm. jesus would also show up mother Teresa would also show up i would have different sort of these spiritual energies show up but osho kept showing up over and over and over again so it was really interesting for me to read her book to, to see how he does that and so i had all these experiences communicating with Osho and he always encourages me to teach Tantra. So well shit, I want to read that book now because I know it sounds really strange, but I was driving one day. I just visited a friend in the hospital and I was driving home and uh, I looked in my back seat and there's Osho sitting there in his toque. <laughs> I just oh, felt like I was yeah. driving Osho around. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think Osho does, his energy does connect with people who are kind of spreading this study of, of this pursuit of understanding oneself through Tantra. Mm -hmm. um, and it is definitely a spiritual path um, that has been so influential in my life because it has brought together all the aspects of myself, my sexual self, my heart, you know, and spirit, you know, being raised as a Roman Catholic, um, all those sort of sexual aspects of, of myself were, you know, you know, made to feel guilty and shameful and wrong and bad and, and, and um, it's such an integral part of who we are. It's such an integral part of our relationships. It, it can't be ignored. If it is ignored, it just leads to, I feel, breakdown. Like, even just on the very fundamental relationship level in marriages and families. It's definitely an uh, integral aspect of our being that needs to be acknowledged. And acknowledged for its creative and evolutionary power. So... Yeah. Yeah. Tantra, tantra rocks. <laughs> I agree. A funny thing is, the other day I was like, oh, my Tantra practice is a little bit slow. I wonder if I should just 
do something else, go get a job or become a normal person. And like, I swear within the hour, I had three calls from people that wanted to see me for some sort of tantric reason. One, one was actually you reaching out for the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, one, um, I don't remember. I have to follow up with her. But And the other one was a very interesting request. Um, she wanted to know more about Tantra because she is in the pursuit of becoming a prostate massager, mm-hmm. which she's... She, through some research, she's found that uh, prostate massage has helped and benefited men who have high PSA levels. And the yeah. PSA levels drop dramatically after, uh, you know, one or two rounds of prostate massage. You know about this? Yes. I often recommend prostate massage to my, a lot of my male clients. It is so, so, so helpful, so beneficial. And I've been trained to do prostate massage. Um, I don't advertise that I do it for men because I don't, gen- I, I do help men with sort of like pelvic floor issues, but yeah. you know, I don't really do, you know, sexual massage services for men, but, um, uh, but getting a prostate massage is so, so healing and so beneficial and so many men need it. Mm. So do you find that, do you, is it just a prostate massage or do men have to um, have an erection? Do they have to ejaculate at the same time or is that completely out? Well, the whole thing with getting the massage, the prostate massage is like, there's two ways it can happen. Like when you go to your doctor and your doctor checks your prostate, yeah. um, if he does check it from the inside, it's like he's putting his finger in your anus and yeah. it's just a more pleasurable experience when you are stimulated like when you're when your cock is hard and when you have that pleasure alongside the penetration it makes the penetration so much more pleasurable mm-hmm. and makes it more bearable for a lot of men and makes it more appealing for a lot of men and it also activates um that area so it brings more blood flow to the area and then whatever is massaged out of the prostate gland can then be evacuated into the body's lymphatic system and circulatory system so um so yeah being sort of like uh, having a kind of a sexual massage all around the genital area and the lower abdomen and the the pelvic floor like there's there's good ways to do it to for it to really be beneficial and i think it should be a health practice yeah so i really do do you do you believe that um i think there's so much shame around it that that men do not do it or or request for it to be done but i think there's men have periods in their life where they feel a desire to have um, a prostate massage and they just deny it. And that might be part of the body trying to say, I, you know, I need, I need this, I need this release so that um, toxins can move out or whatever. Yeah. We could do a whole show talking about this. I'm so passionate about this because I've 
gone quite deep into learning massage of the genitals and in places like China, it's absolutely a health, it's a health practice. You know, it's, it's part of good health to have this area of the body also, uh, you know, paid attention to. And I mean, um, for so many reasons, men and women need that part of the body massage, like just not, you know, like to mention, you know, like women give birth, like so much happens in those situations that, that um, necessitates healing of the pelvic floor area. And then, you know, same for men, prostate cancer is, is a huge issue for, for men. And um, it just needs to be brought into our society as more of a health practice. That's sort of like the Asian, the Asian way is like seeing it as a health practice, but here it gets all tangled up in, you know, uh, you know, like if a man goes for a prostate massage, is he cheating on his wife? You know, so like in the past, I have done prostate massages for men who have really serious issues like prostate cancer and things like that. And I will usually work with people if their situation is, is dire. Um, and, but I always, you know, it has to be like an open, honest thing. It has to be like, I'm not going to give you a prostate massage unless it's okay with your partner, mm -hmm. you know, and you're doing it for health reasons. You're not coming to me because you want to get off, you know, but like, yeah. um, that's just me. I want to be super transparent. There will be other therapists out there who will not require that their um, male clients get their partner's permission, but like, I'm not here to screw with people's relationships. So, um, I like that's that. why I require that transparency and that honesty. Good to know. So, um, yeah, this sounds like another podcast altogether. It's an interesting topic yeah. for sure. Huh. So where are we? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, um, just invite your listeners to, um, to check out the Facebook live that I put up last week. I just want to mention that again, because, uh, we did kind of come and talk about neediness and loneliness and, and I went quite deep for three days into that. And we're getting into topics of sexuality and Tantra. And my third day of live was getting into, uh, helping men and women. It's practice. I did a practice for men and women to activate their sexuality through Qigong Taoist uh, practices, um, help them to ground uh, into the earth and, and get some activation and healing around their sexuality. And um, so I, that's just there. It's there for, for anybody. And, and I'd like to invite your, your listeners to take me up on or take advantage of getting the wild woman activation five-step process. That's, that's also a free gift. It's on wildly woman Facebook page or wild woman, my wildly woman website. And if you like that information and you want to go deeper into it, we're starting a 21 day challenge. It's going to be really fun. Um, on May 8th. Sweet. So, yeah. So, um, there's the invitation to join us on, uh, a wild woman activation challenge, um, especially if you're feeling stuck, shut down and lonely to feel more wild and free and connected because we're going to be doing um, a, a private Facebook group where all of us will be connecting. So this is for women. Yeah, sounds awesome. Um, yeah, I'm going to, 
I'm going to uh, have a beautiful day after this wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, we had some issues with sound, but hopefully everybody kind of got over it. I know my it was pulling on my nerves a bit, but I had to just let go and I don't think I even noticed it in the last little bit. So hopefully it's going to be good. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure talking to you. It was kind of a, yeah, it was an interesting conversation. It sort of went here, there, and everywhere. It snaked around. Exactly. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> it was a more feminine conversation, that's for sure. We were following your feminine sneakiness today. Yeah, well, I, I created some some opportunity for flow in a few places and mm -hmm. some opportunity for very specific uh, conversation in others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Roger. This podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening.